Hello and welcome to the Banker Podcast Series, Banking Under Pressure, exploring how the financial services industry is coping with the COVID-19 pandemic. In this series, the Banker's editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practices and innovations that can help banks and their customers manage during these tough times. I'm Kimberly Long, Asia Editor of The Banker, and today I'm speaking with Jonathan Cornish, Head of Asia-Pacific Banking at Fitch Ratings. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. Thank you, Kimberly. So how has asset quality in China and India been impacted by the coronavirus? Well, we'll definitely see further deterioration in asset quality as a result of the coronavirus. But like most other markets, it's still too early to say how bad asset quality will get in China and India. We expect no meaningful change in China's reported data until later this year. In India, it'll probably be 2021. Reported metrics, especially NPLs or impaired loans, tend to understate the magnitude of asset quality risks. China's official system-wide NPL ratio is just under 2% at the moment, whereas India's is around 8.5%. Both systems exhibit forbearance and support for borrowers, which will benefit their official metrics. But back in 2016, Fitch's scenario analysis estimated potential system-wide problem credit in China ranged from around 16 to 21%. And our team undertook further analysis this year, concluding that potential problem or inefficient credit is still similar to the range that I mentioned. And this is before the pandemic's impact has been felt. In India, we started flagging a potential NPL crisis as early as 2013, though NPLs didn't peak until 2018. And just when most market observers were believing that India turned the corner last year, Fitch took more forward-looking negative rating actions. And we believe that the NPL trend would likely reverse on the back of increased risk-taking and concentration plus a weaker operating environment, in part due to the spillover from an exposure to a fragile non-bank sector. Um, The the latter's since played out, but the situation has been exacerbated by India's escalating COVID-19 crisis. And how has this been exacerbated by the capital gap? Well, timely resolution of problem credit relies on banks being both profitable and adequately capitalised and less addressed via a big bang approach, which isn't our base case. Uh, Compromising these two factors will delay resolution of problem credit. We've seen this before in China and India. In turn, that'll further weaken the bank's fiscal capacity, and so you get this circular problem. Now, profitability remains under pressure in China, but banks have been aided to some extent by various measures, and India's public sector banks still report relatively thin profitability after multiple periods of losses. This is all the more problematic because we're talking about two systems with capital shortages, including relative to minimum requirements for systemically important banks. But in China, it's the smaller private banks which are most starved of capital, i.e. common equity, whereas in India, it's their public sector banks. And this points to a need for more issuance, but demand, of course, needs to keep pace with supply, which is easier said than done. Just to put this into context as part of India's problem credit scenario analysis that I mentioned earlier, we estimated the capital gap could be as much as 10 to 20% of 
And China's support for banks has so far been somewhat indirect, whereas India has seen multi-year infusions of capital from the state, mainly into its state banks. And that said, our scenario analysis still yields a potential shortfall of about 0.5 to 2% of GDP in, in India. Again, um, Fitch was the, the first rating agency to undertake such uh, exercises. We see the capital gaps as hangovers from prior periods of uh, excessive and inefficient bank lending um, being resolved only progressively rather than expediently. And the risk is that we'll see history repeated in the next few years in terms of delayed bad debt resolution with banks being hindered from extending credit to support the real economy. And that's particularly the case uh, for India's state banks. And how is this going to be resolved? Is there a solution or is this a new environment that China and India need to learn to operate in? Well, the most expedient solution is probably injecting capital directly from the state to allow banks to both write off bad debt and maintain sufficient buffers to lend to the real economy. But uh, as I mentioned before, we don't see that being the case in China. Instead, we see banks being permitted to report profits to help resolve bad debt over time, uh, complemented by the authorities opening up more opportunities for banks to raise capital from the market, be that common equity or capital securities. And to an extent, that's already underway, but has multiple years left to run. In India, the RBI recently acknowledged the need for banks to raise additional capital. We've seen more success among private banks than state banks to date, which in all likelihood will require further capital infusions from the government as the major shareholder. Uh, history tells us that capital infusions may not be sufficient, especially if the bank's performances continue to wane. And the deteriorating fiscal position of the sovereign doesn't suggest that a large one-off infusion will ensue, but for the state banks to effectively and sustainably support the real economy, they must be adequately capitalised and profitable. Um, so this situation remains fairly fluid in India. Uh, again, we run the risk of history repeating itself with the viability of many banks within India's banking system being compromised and the country's economic recovery being drawn out. Well, thanks very much for joining us today, Jonathan. Thank you very much, Kimberly. And you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow the discussions at thebanker.com slash podcast. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.